This is Robert Rogers, and I am Parkinson's Recovery. Welcome. If you're interested in finding ways to get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's, you have arrived at the right place. I am continuously scouring the universe for suggestions and ideas of what people can do to get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. I have landed on an exciting possibility for people that is yielding individuals who are exploring this enormous relief from their symptoms. You probably haven't really thought about this because I haven't thought about it, and I'm thinking you're probably like me. The reality is that our glasses have a profound impact on our ability to function and the reality is that vision has a lot to do with brain processing and just a wee little bit with our actual eyes. Dr. Janet Coates is an individual who is a neuro-optometrist, which is a specialized field of optometry. She has a full-scope family practice where she examines and treats patients from birth all the way up to 100-plus years of age, and she specializes among a number of other treatment protocols with individuals who currently experience the symptoms of Parkinson's disease. Get ready for an exciting show and some information that's going to dazzle the socks out of you, particularly if you find yourself scouring about like me and you're looking for possibilities of what might provide sustained relief from whatever symptoms you might be experiencing today. Dr. Coates, thank you so much for being on the show with us today. My pleasure. Tell us about yourself. Well, I attended UCLA and the Los Angeles College of Optometry, and when I graduated, I was offered an opportunity to work with a doctor who worked with the more difficult cases of neuro-optometric problems like stroke. He trained me, and I began a lifetime of working with traumatic and acquired brain injury, cerebrovascular accidents like stroke, and patients with cross-eyes autism and other severe learning problems. Then in 2008, I heard a lecture given by a doctor on the East Coast who founded the group known as the Neurooptometric Rehabilitation Association. He was doing an even higher level of work on these patients and was having an impressive degree of success. I started using some of his techniques after that. Then after I heard him speak a couple more times in 2010, he offered to help me gain a deeper understanding of his work, and I started working with Parkinson's disease. Are there many doctors who share your perspective on vision? Well, there are close to 300 who belong to the Neurooptometric Rehabilitation Association, in addition to those at the optometry schools like Western University College of Optometry in Pomona, California, California and SUNY in New York. Um, the, ma- the major portion are in the United States, but there are others around Europe, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Puerto Rico, and England. And with the Internet, we are often in contact. So I've been conversing lately with a doctor in England who does a lot of work with Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, 
and he came up with a pretty neat way of explaining the relationship between the eyes and other systems of the body and the brain. Do you mean, then, that glasses can affect Parkinson's disease symptoms? Yes, glasses can help. Prisms, color therapy, and vision rehabilitation therapy can all help. Parkinson's is a problem of the brain, and the eyes work through the brain also. They aren't just sitting there on the edge of the head operating all by themselves. As a matter of fact, the eyes hook up with all the other systems of the body in the brain. One of the most important systems that vision hooks up with is the vestibular system. The vestibular system answers the question, where am I and where is it? Let me backtrack a moment. The vestibular system, in case you don't know, has to do with balance and posture. Okay. So then, as far as the eyes hooking up with it, it answers the question, where am I and where is it? This has to do with central and peripheral spatial localization. This way is explained by Dr. Jeff Shaler in England, who is the one I was just talking about, and is based on what is called the four circles that a doctor suggested in the 1930s by the name of A.M. Skeffington. So think about this. He suggested that if you think of four circles, one at 12 o'clock, one at 3 one at six and one at nine, and interlink these circles. Uh, one circle you call where am I, one is called where is it, one is called what is it, and the last is called speech audition. Now the brain hooks up uh, the and answers these questions regarding spatial localization, identification, and visualization. And vision sits on the top of these four circles and is dominant for information processing. It takes from all four circles and emerges with our vision. I'm sure that you can see that I'm not talking about 2020 vision, but rather brain processing. How then is the brain involved in visual processing? Well, the temporal lobe in the brain has to do with object identification and motion processing. The parietal lobe has to do with spatial organization, sensory integration, and covert visual attention. The frontal lobe um, does the frontal eye fields and adjacent areas of the frontal and prefrontal lobes do motor planning, initiation of self-directed eye movements, and visual search. And the cerebellum fine-tunes all movements. Now, I mention this because we've been taught for years in school that the nerves that go from the eyes into the brain go to the occipital lobe. So you can see by this that the nerves from the eyes into the brain go to many, many different places. What symptoms of Parkinson's disease are directly related to vision? One of the problems uh, has to do with locomotion. The Parkinson's patient can get stuck in space. He wants to walk over to the kitchen table, but has 
to sometimes be given a gentle push to start the movement. One of the most important aspects of peripheral vision is goal-directed locomotion. Remember, the vestibular system is in charge of gaze stabilization in space. But possibly the most important aspect of our vision is not 20-20 central vision, but the subconscious peripheral vision. This peripheral vision is what makes a great football player who is able to wind his way down a football field avoiding the other players. And this subconscious peripheral vision is what starts our movement forward, um, has to do with ambulation. This has been demonstrated in a study, by the way, done on patients with retinitis pigmentosa, where peripheral vision is largely lost. In other words, um, when the periphery is lost on a Parkinson's patient, there's a tremendous impact not only to ambulation, but to gait, to balance, posture, and all those things. Robert Rogers from Parkinson's Recovery. My guest today is neurooptometrist Dr. Janet Coates. Are there other visual symptoms to watch for with Parkinson's? Yes, there are many. Uh, one is double vision. Another is the forward head thrust that the Parkinson's patient usually has. Postural gait and balance changes. Spatial disorientation, like clumsiness. Uh, the patient walks into things. There's a loss of concentration when reading, discomfort driving, eye strain, blur, cognition changes, and most importantly, peripheral vision loss. The problem is that these symptoms are very commonly overlooked. And because people don't understand that these symptoms have to do with the eyes. I mean, they might think blur has to do with the eyes, but they don't realize that the forward thrust of the head has to do with the eyes. And very often the um, Parkinson's patient is not asked if he sees double because you just don't think to ask people this. Um, so... Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of symptoms that go along, a lot of visual symptoms to watch for with Parkinson's. I have heard that there can be visual field changes also. Is that true? Yes, it is, uh, with both traumatic brain injury and acquired brain injury. There is often a loss of the visual field on the same side of both eyes. Also, visual spatial neglect is a cognitive phenomena. These are examples of one type of thing that can be helped by prisms or therapy. In other words, uh, the Parkinson's patient may be driving and, and not be aware of um, uh, loss of fields on his left or his right where he would normally pick up his rearview mirrors. How would we even know if a person with Parkinson's symptoms has a visual field loss? Well, a very simple thing can be done by the family members. It's called a functional visual field. 
and it can be done by standing right in front of the Parkinson's patient, holding your hand below your waist, having them look at your nose, and ask them how far down your body that they can see or how many fingers you're holding out below your waist. Because typically an Alzheimer's or Parkinson's patient will report an inability to see beyond your waist. Um, to continue with this way of thinking, the visual consequences of visual field loss include changes in the ability to see 3D and the shifting of the center of gravity, which affects balance. This is called uh, visual midline shift syndrome. And as I said a minute ago, the, they say that 30% of the Parkinson's patients are driving without knowledge of a visual field loss. And also, uh, a person who does not have 3D vision will tailgate and not be able to judge distances accurately, particularly at night when there are no other clues uh, to depth, such as size. Can you please discuss some of the other visual symptoms? Yes. Um, I've all already said that double vision is often overlooked, and um, uh, and that's because the uh, person with these problems that um, affect the brain have very often a decreased ability to report what's going on, and not only that, but even if they do see double, um, the brain ultimately will suppress one eye, uh, one of the images over time, so that the patient doesn't even realize sometimes that he has a problem. And in addition to that, when the patients develop a forward tilt to their body to the degree that they need a walker, it is felt by some that this posture interferes with sunlight hitting the inferior portion of the retina, which interferes with stopping the loss of dopamine from exiting the brain. Uh, that's just one theory. Many people listening to your explanation are now at the tip of their chairs wondering how would a person with Parkinson's symptoms go about getting treatment for these problems? Well, you have to get a rather specialized eye examination called a neuro exam, and you can contact the administrative offices for neurooptometric for the Neurooptometric Rehabilitation Association for a referral of someone in your area. And um, they are at uh, they're in Orange County at nine four nine two five zero eight zero seven zero. For those of you listening in other countries, we're located here on the west coast of the United States, and Orange County is actually in California. And so, after a specialized optometrist who practices neurooptometry is located and found, what then? Well, the um, the neurooptometric rehabilitation exam is put forth by William Padula, who founded Nora and practices in Connecticut, involves an extensive history, including information on medications, prior rehabilitation programs, prior glasses prescriptions, 
questions regarding balance and posture and fears regarding crowded environments because many people with uh, some type of brain injury are terrifically bothered by going to grocery stores or malls. Um, in addition to that, the exam covers many aspects of vision, like the sensory motor system, tracking ability, peripheral vision, the ability to focus up close, the ability to converge the eyes, a neuromotor assessment for the visual midline shift, and much, much more. Of course, it also includes testing for glaucoma, cataracts, and other medical problems. I've been to optometrists before, and those particular appointments seem to last about 15 or 20 minutes at the most. How long would a person expect to spend at an appointment to see somebody like yourself or an, an optometrist who practices neuro-optometry? Well, it uh, very often takes two hours, and uh, sometimes it takes two visits of two hours. Or it can take far less, depending on the ability of the patient to work with the doctor. Does all of this assessment then result in a prescription for glasses? Well, yes, it does, but not that alone. The prescription may be for something called yoke prisms. Uh, it can be for nasal occluders. Uh, those two things open up the periphery, which I've spoken of. And I also refer to other practitioners. I may suggest vision rehabilitation therapy or refer to a cranial osteopath, physical therapist, a chiropractor, or for more nutritional information. Some of the pictures that are displaying on the radio show page show individuals who are getting these types of assessments. And uh, and uh, what's interesting to me about some of the pictures is it does look as though some of the patients have glasses that are colored in some way. So is that typical of a result that a person might come, come out with, is glasses that are tinted or colored in some way? Not necessarily. I do color therapy, and that opens up the um, the passages in the brain and makes the patient uh, more uh, able to to get more information out of the therapy. I think the pictures that you're looking at um, are of prisms. I I am doing therapy with heavy prisms on the patients, um, and it. It has to do with balance and with the periphery. What do you recommend in the way of nutritional information? Well, I've been working uh, with a woman on the East Coast, Dr. Patricia Kane. She's a Ph.D. who has developed a membrane stabilizing protocol for neurological disease called the PK protocol. And I've had uh, personal success with her. Um, and to learn more about her, go to www.pkprotocol.com. How do people get in touch with you? My phone number is 
1600. I, um, I have a web page. It's under, uh, optometrist with an S dot org forward slash capital R Riverside and, uh, a couple of other, uh, web pages also. I'm located in Riverside, California and I'm always, uh, glad to do whatever I can to answer questions on the telephone or refer people to someone in their area. There aren't a huge number of individuals who have this specialized training. How many optometrists are there even just in the United States? Well, I don't know. Uh, probably upwards of 250 in the U.S. Who actually have this specialized training? Yes, to some degree. Different degrees. And then, of course, the total number of optometrists is in the tens of thousands, I'm sure. Yes. So we're talking about a relatively small number of individuals who have this expertise, and it's pretty clear to me from what you've discussed that it's not going to be possible to get these assessments long distance. A person would have to come to your clinic in order to be able to have these uh, yes. assessments. Yes. There's... Um several in Southern California and some, uh, one or two up in Washington State, I believe, and uh, some on the East Coast and uh, one just west of uh, Chicago and Oswego, I know of. Then if you're in England, there's one in England, and if you're in Australia, uh, there's uh, some in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Belgium, Spain. There are clearly people out there then. You yeah. mentioned to me earlier as we were preparing for the show, too, that these diagnostic procedures and treatment protocols can be particularly useful to an individual who is to the point where they're not able to be mobile. That is, they're in a wheelchair. So yeah. as I understand it, there's been, there have been reports of success uh, treating individuals who were to the point of not being able to be mobile, but all of a sudden because they had this uh, new ability to see, they're able to get up and start moving. Well, uh, in particular, if they're about to go into a wheelchair, a lot of times you can readjust the balance and uh, and help them escape that for a while at least. Are there any other websites that you want people to make sure and know about? Did I give you www.pagulainstitute.com? Which is a good one for people to have. Can you spell that for people? Yes, P-A-D-U-L-A-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E, all one word, pagulainstitute.com. You have now uh, worked with a number of individuals who have Parkinson's disease, if someone were first diagnosed just this week, what would you want to say to them today? Well, I'd, I'd want to uh, do vision rehabilitation therapy, fit them with a, a lens to help them, and uh, have them work with Dr. Kane to uh, stop the uh, symptoms of of the Parkinson's, to get relief from the symptoms of Parkinson's. 
Well, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for conveying this incredible information to individuals. I can tell you right now, I think that out of listeners, there are probably at most 1% who have ever even heard of this as a therapeutic option. So I want to thank you for bringing this to my attention so that we can then spread the word to people across the globe that this is clearly a powerful and useful treatment protocol that can help individuals who are experiencing motor challenges. Well, it's been around for 20 years, uh, I would say, a little over, actually. I'm very pleased to uh, be able to get the word out. So, Dr. Janet Colts, thank you very much for being on the show with us today. My pleasure. And that's what's happening on the shores of the Puget Sound, where all the women are smart, all the men are handsome, and all the children are truly loved. Know that by virtue of the fact you're listening to this radio show today, that you are on the road to recovery. Good day.